you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. You ought to give him praise right now. It may not look like it this morning. It may not look like it this very moment, but you know that God's got his hand in it. You ought to give him praise right now. this morning, but I feel the Holy Ghost so strong in this place. I believe that God's working all things out. I I just want to tell somebody, my mind, as they were singing that song, my mind was drawn to Ezekiel chapter 37, where Ezekiel said that God took me and he set me in a valley full of dry bones. He set me in a valley full of deadness, dryness. Anybody feel like you're there? Anybody feel like you're in a, you find yourself from time to time in a valley full of deadness and dryness? And he said in verse number nine, and he said, Then he, the Lord, said unto me, Prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. I want to tell somebody this morning that in the midst of your dryness and in the midst of your deadness, somebody ought to lift up their voice and begin to prophesy to the wind and let the wind of the Holy Ghost blow in your situation and let God call deadness and dryness to live once again. I wish somebody would lift your hands and your voice right now and just begin to prophesy over your situation. Begin to prophesy over your family. Begin to prophesy over the deadness and the dryness and it will live again. Come on, lift your voice in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, one more time, clap your hands to the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. If you have your Bibles, I would like to draw your attention to Genesis chapter 22. I want to take a moment and say it's always an honor to be able to preach in this pulpit. I never take it lightly. And I just trust that the Lord is going to help me this morning. Genesis chapter 22. 
Now, for me, sometimes some of you may know that I hit like a 747 on a short one, short runway trying to, and I'm going to maybe a little bit different this morning, but I ask that you be patient with me, and we're going to get to where God wants to take us. Genesis 22, beginning at verse number 1. And the word of the Lord says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, or God tested Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, And then he says something to him that would cause all of us to stumble and fall, perhaps. He said, get to the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon the mountains, which I will tell thee of. He said, I want you to go to Moriah, and I want you to go to a mountain, Abraham, but I'm not going to tell you until you get there. Verse number Three says, And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and he saddled his donkey, and he took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. And verse number four, And on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes. And he saw the place afar off. I want to preach to you with the help of the Lord on this subject, a perspective of a promise. Perspective of a promise. Would you put your Bibles down? Would you raise your hands one more time? And would you ask the Lord to speak into our hearing into this house? God, I pray that the anointing of the Holy Ghost would just begin to saturate us, Lord, that you would sweep into this. We already feel your presence. God, I pray that you would touch your people. God, that you would anoint our minds, that you would anoint our ears to hear, our minds to understand, and our our, our, our hearts to receive what it is that you want to speak into this house today, God. I pray for those that are going through things, God, those that you have given a promise to that they haven't seen it come to fruition yet. Lord, I pray right now in this place today, God, that you would open their eyes to see it afar off, God, and know that if you spoke it, you'll bring it to pass. And let today be a day of change and revelation for somebody in this house today. And we will praise you and give you glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Why don't you turn and shake hands with two or three people and say it's just a matter of perspective. I want to start by saying that the Bible... Well, the Word of God is, is, is replete with remarkable stories. I had one person tell me one time that the Bible is a good read. It's a lot of good stories, but there is no way that any of those happened. And I thought, well, how sad for you to not have faith. 
And though it is alive, very much alive this day, it is a beautiful storybook, if you will. And in it you will find accounts of men, women, and even children who facing insurmountable conditions and situations. They made it to tell about what God did for them and how He brought them out. It is a living testimony of God's mercy. It is a living testimony of God's might. It is a living testimony of God's power. And it is a living testimony of God's provision. In it you will find stories that stand out that are so very applicable to our lives and to the things that we too face. But there are also stories in which that sometimes, though we have read them countless times before, but there are sometimes that God allows us to see something that perhaps may be different than anything that we have ever seen before. Stories that are inspiring and stories that are challenging, yet some go beyond the characters and some go beyond the storyline and they connect to something even greater in our spirits. And sometimes when you think the story is complete and you think that it has been preached from every conceivable angle before, God shows you something new. A verse that you have read countless times and that now stands out to you in a new way. Maybe something about a character that was unknown to you previously that God gives you revelation into their life and into their situation. Or, or perhaps a revelation that God opens your eyes to and you see a particular story in a light that you have never seen it before. And in my preparation and study this week, I, I felt very drawn to this text. And, and I, I began to read and I felt that God was wanting to show me something new out of this very familiar story and passage of Scripture that we all know so well. I, I used the word perspective on purpose in my title this morning. You see, perspective is defined as a particular attitude toward or way of regarding something or it is simply a point of view. And I want to preach to you today about a particular point of view. I, I'm not talking about my personal point of view or my personal perspective on this scripture, but rather I want to talk to you about Abraham's point of view. From the verses I have read to you this morning and knowing, knowing the story of his, of his life, I see a perspective from Abraham that I, I can honestly say that I never really saw before. A, a point of view that, that perhaps Abraham saw that was unknown to me. We don't, we don't have a lot of details of the story leading up to this. And though we have a lot about his story... This particular chapter dives right in to the storyline. It is 
what the Lord was asking him to do. And it unfolds from there. And I want to preach about Abraham's perspective of a promise. Abraham saw beyond just a son. As much as he loved Isaac, he knew that he or that his promise was far greater and it was far more important than just the birth of a son. Isaac was a promise from God and in my opinion this morning, that changes the point of view of this story, knowing that Isaac is a promise changes the perspective of the story. And I want you to know just how powerful a promise from God is. God's promise is God's word. A promise from God is a word from God. Whatever God says, it will happen. Whatever God declares, it will come to pass, and I want to pause for a moment this morning and just preach to somebody in this house that God spoke to you a long, long time ago, and God promised you some things one night in a late night prayer meeting when it was just you and God, and you were tucked away all alone with the master, and you begin to plead with him, and you begin to pray over your family, you begin to pray over your children, and you begin to pray over your situation and I, God sent me here today to tell you that he heard your cry and he gave you a promise. It may not have come to light yet. It may not have happened yet, but you just hold on baby because God is about to bring it to pass in your life because if God said it, My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. If God promised you, you don't have to wonder and you don't have to worry. Is it ever going to happen? But I'm going to declare in the Holy Ghost to you th this morning that it will come to pass. It will come to pass. Rest easy. Be assured. God is going to fulfill it. It's not merely a suggestion. It's not merely a proposal. It's not just a hint. It's not a simple recommendation. But if God makes a promise, you can count on it. The psalmist declared it like this in Psalm chapter 138 and verse number 2 when he said, Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Now remember, in the Old Testament, we didn't have the name of Jesus, but the name of God in the Old Testament was what those names represented. It was Jehovah Jireh. It was Jehovah Nisi. It was all these names and the name of God to them was what that name represented. In the Old Testament, when you talked about God, you were talking about what that name meant. And the reason that the word is above the name is because the word is exactly what God is. And what he is is far above anything that he can ever do. Listen to me today. What God is in your 
life is greater than what God does in your life. Yes, we want blessings. Yes, we want to touch. But I am here to tell you, it's not about what he does for us, but it is about who he is and what his word says. When God says it, it's his word. It is a, pastor, it is a binding contract. The Bible says that God cannot lie. And if he gave you a promise, it is a binding contract. God cannot go back on his word. He will never go back on his word. He will never contradict his word. There is not a promise that God ever wrote in these hallowed pages of this book or that he ever spoke that has not come to pass. It may not have happened yet, but it is still happening. Happening. Why? Because it's his word, and nothing is greater than the word of God. If he says it, you can count on it. So, Abraham's son is a word from God. Isaac is not just a cute little boy that we read about, but Isaac is not just an addition to the family. The Lord, in fact, said that he was Abraham's only son, which we know that Isaac wasn't Abraham's only son, but Isaac was the only son given by promise. And so, he's the only one given by promise, Ishmael was not a promise from God. Ishmael was a mistake on Abraham's part. But understand that Isaac was a word from God. Isaac was a promise from God. And so you have to look at the life of Isaac. And in Genesis chapter 22, from another point of view, and I want you to look at how Abraham sees this when we read in 22 verse number 1, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. And he said unto Abraham, and he said, Lord, behold, here am I. And then he says, and, and he said, take thy son, thy only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. It is a promise. It is something that God has given to you. It is his promise to you, Abraham. It is his word to you. However, that promise is not exempt from ever being tested. Abraham, you are now tested, and your promise is also going to be tested. And the point of view that Abraham has on this testing of his son is what does this promise mean to you? What? Abraham, have you taken it for granted? Have you taken that time for granted? 
when I visited you and said that you were going to have a son, that your wife was going to bear a son in her old age. God, Abraham, have you forgotten that moment when I gave you that promise that you're holding his hand right now and you're teaching him how to be a man. You're teaching him how to work. You're teaching him how to labor. And, and you, you're caught up in all this. But have you forgotten, Abraham, what does this promise mean to you? It's going to be tested, Abraham, on a mountain, which means that you're going to have to climb a mountain for your promise, which means that I'm going to have to go into a far country. There are some things that I'm going to have to do for my promise, but, but you know what? It is worth it because this is my promise. This is my word from God, and even if I have to be tested, I will rise to the occasion. If I've got to climb a mountain to see that my promise lives one once again, then I'll climb a mountain because this promise that God has given to me is more important than anything else in my life. Abraham's perspective of his promise. If God gives you a promise, I want you to understand that it is God's word being given to you. We want God to speak to us. We pray. I, I, laid, I laid in the sanctuary yesterday and I prayed, God, I want you to speak to me. Speak to me, God. Speak into my spirit. Speak into my life. Speak into my soul. I wanted to hear from God, and so many times we, we pray those kind of prayers, and we're asking God, why don't you speak to me? God, why are you being silent to me? Why, why, why are you withholding your voice to me? All the while, God saying, you have my word already. I've already given you a promise. I've already told you that things are going to be all right. I already told you that I was going to heal your body. I already told you I was going to make a way. Come on, somebody. I'm going to make a way for you when there is no way. So quit worrying. Quit wondering. Quit fretting because you have my word. You have, you have my, the word of God that has been spoken to you. And the Bible said that Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey, and he took two young men with him along with Isaac. And he split the wood for the burnt offering. And he rose up, and he went to the place that God told him, to the land of Moriah. I don't know what mountain it is, but there's going to be a mountain involved in your promise. Hear me today, 
I wish I could tell you that when God speaks to you, that it's all going to be a better rose. It's just going to be a nice, uh, paved, smooth road that you're going to have to travel and that you're never going to have to face anything, that you're never going to have to face a valley, that you're never going to have to climb on the mountain. I wish I could tell you that it's going to be one mountaintop experience after another. But hear me today. It's somewhere in your journey, somewhere along, carrying your promise with you. There will be a mountain. Come on, I feel this in the Holy Ghost to stay right here for just a minute. I want you to understand that a mountain is not there to cause you to stumble and fall. And a mountain is not there to cause you to tuck your tail, to turn around and go back home where you came from. But that mountain is there to test you, to see just how much you'll fight for it, to see how much you're willing to do for what God has placed in your life. There's going to be times of testing involved in your promise. Listen to me this morning. Whatever God gives you, listen, it doesn't mean that he is threatening to take it away from you. The mountain does not mean that he is threatening to take away what he has already given to you. He just wants to know, are you willing to climb a mountain for it? Are you willing to push past your comfort zone? Are you willing to get up out of your comfortable place of living? Are you willing to grab the hand of that promise and say, come on, son, I, I don't know where we're going. I don't know what mountain it is. Oh, I know is that God told me to go and I know what God told me but I'm trusting God I'm trusting God and when I get to that mountain I'm going to climb it and I'm going to believe that God is going to provide provision and I, and I believe that God is going to do a work once again I feel in the Holy Ghost today there's somebody in this room that God has been testing you. That God's been testing you. God's been speaking to you and telling you to go somewhere that you don't really want to go. And to do something that you don't really want to do. He's asking you, he's asking you, are you willing to give up that promise? Are you willing to sacrifice that promise for me? Because it's not God trying to punish you. It's not God trying to, trying to correct you. But it's God trying to test you to see how far you are willing to go. It's God, it's God asking you, are you willing to go a little further? Are you willing? It's not God tempting you. It's not God punishing you, but it's God trying to take you to a new level, to a new promise, to a new word from him. I wonder if you just raise your hands all across this building. Come on, would somebody pray that God, 
I feel I feel I'm I feel like I'm hitting a brick wall this morning. I feel that someone needs to break break past that wall. That someone needs to tear down that wall and realize God's not trying to punish you. God's not trying that God's not trying to take it from you, but God's trying to do something new in your life. To say, all right, I'm getting ready to take it from you. God never told Abraham, ever told Abraham that he was going to take Isaac away. Never did. He just want, he's just wanting to know, are you willing to climb a mountain for your promise? Are you willing to be tested and challenged with what you have. And I want to ask you, are you willing? Don't look at it as if God is testing you to the point to say, I'm going to take something away from you. I gave you something and now I'm going to take it away. But God doesn't do that. But he just wants to know, are you willing to climb a mountain? Are you willing to go to the land of Moriah? Are you willing to climb at your age, Abraham? Are you willing to climb even though you're tired in your body, in your spirit? Will you climb even though you would rather be at home? Are you willing promise be tested because if you are that is showing you how much you love what I have entrusted you with you understand I've already told you that a promise is a word from God and when God gives you a word he's trusting you with that word he's trusting you with his word. He's trusting you with the very essence of who he is. There may be some things going on in this room today. Right now, where God is saying, I'm not, I'm not taking it away. I'm not taking anything from you. I'm not, I'm not taking anything back. But maybe today he's looking at you and he's speaking to you. And he's saying, I just want to know that you're willing to climb a mountain for this. Come on, somebody. Are you willing to fight for your promise? Are you willing to give everything you got for what I gave you? And I come into this place this morning and I'm asking a parent, are you willing to fight for your faith? family. I'm asking a dad, are you willing to fight for your son? I'm asking a mama, are you willing to fight for those children? Are you willing to fight for revival? Are you, will, are you willing to fight for that lost family member? Are you willing to climb a mountain? promise will be tested. Your promise will be challenged. Make no mistake, it is going to happen. But the question is, do you love it enough to climb a mountain? Do you love it enough to leave the convenience of home? Do you love it enough to face something that you really don't want to face? It's not that he is testing you 
It's not that he is testing you to take something away from you. All at the end to say, are you willing to fight for it just to be able to say at the end, I fought for my promise. I stood for my promise. I was challenged, yes, but I stood for what was mine. I stood for what God gave me. Listen to me. I'm not, I'm not about to just take it for granted. Listen, something, something means more to you when you have to fight for it. Can I just get real? It means more to you. It doesn't really mean much when it's given to you, when you don't have to work for it. Can I get a witness in this house? But it means something. Something means more to you when you've got to fight for it. Something means more to you when you have to put some skin in the game. It means more to you when you have something invested in it. And if your promise, if your dream, if your healing, if your family's salvation or whatever it is that God has given to you, if you will still, if you have a hold of it, it's going to mean more to you once you have to climb a mountain for it. When you say to the enemy, I, you can't have that. You can't take that from me. I may, I may die trying, but one thing I know is I'm climbing that mountain because that promise, that word that God has given to me means more than just laying down and quitting. It means more to me than just throwing in the towel and say, I don't want to fight anymore. But one thing I've come to declare to this church this morning is that we have got to climb the mountain. It's not going to be easy. Never easy. I promise you that once the trip up the mountain was over, that Isaac meant more to Abraham than he did the day that they left home. Listen, if you will climb the mountain, it will mean more to you when it's over than it did to you when it began. If you just be willing to climb and fight for it. Abraham said, to the Lord, when God called him, he said, here, here am I. I want to tell you, Abraham knew something. This was more. He knew deep down that this was more than just a child. But he knew that Isaac was his promise. He didn't give. He said, he didn't give me that promise just to take it. Take it away from me. So he, he goes to the mountain. The Bible says that on the third day. He lifted up his eyes, and he saw that place afar off. We've got to leave the men. We've got to leave the boys. We've got to leave the donkey, Isaac. I saw the place. I know, I know where we're going now. How many of you understand 
that we can draw a parallel in this scripture that this mountain could represent, this mountain that they would climb could represent Calvary. And how many of you understand that given of Isaac, the sacrificing of his son could represent the spirit in, in the flesh, but there is something about verse number four that changes the whole point of view. Not just the fact that he saw the place afar off, but the Bible says that he saw the place on the third day. Everybody say the third day. Now, if this place represents the crucifixion, the crucifixion did not happen on the third day. But the crucifixion happened on the first day. And how many know what happened on the third day? It was on the third day that he got up out of that tomb and overcame death, hell, and the grave. So why would he let Abraham see the third day instead of the first day? I simply believe that it was because that Abraham might not have been able to handle the first day if he couldn't see the third day. But Abraham, before you ever face that third day, Abraham, before you ever face the death of your promise, I'm going to let you see the third day. I'm going to let you see power and resurrection. You're going to overcome death, hell, and the grave. And I tell you this morning, God wants to show you something. You, 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 we, we understand that we may know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. We understand that there are going to be sufferings from time to time. We understand, but, but, but I want you to know something, that God has a way of showing us the third day in the middle of our sufferings. And I've got a feeling this morning that God wants to show somebody in this place the third day. I've got a feeling that someone has already saddled the donkey. I've got a feeling that someone is heading to the land of Moriah, and you're not sure what's going to happen but just on the horizon, you can see the place, and it's the third day. And I want to preach you out of your misery. I want to preach you out of your slump today and tell you that you will be victorious. It's not meant to take it from you, but it's about to bring you into victory. Oh, come on, somebody give God praise right now. Come on, if you know you're going to be victorious, you ought to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Oh, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Don't worry about the first day. Don't worry about it because God is showing you the third day. That is why some of you sit here in this place this morning and you watch people worshiping and praising and dancing and singing. 
uh, and praising God all while knowing the hell that they are facing in their life. It's not because of who they are and how great they are, but it's because God has already shown them the third day. God has already showed them that you're going to be healed. God has already showed them that your family is going to be saved. So they come into this house this morning. It's not that they have it all together. It's not that they have it all figured out, but God has opened their eyes to allow them to see that at the top of this mountain is my victory. I may have to climb it. It may be hard. I may stumble and fall every once in a while, but I'm going to keep climbing. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep I'm going to keep making my way to the top because my victory on the third day he saw it afar off I'm quickly drawn to a close this morning there was no hesitation whatsoever when Abraham looked at Isaac when God said take him and Abraham turned and he saw what might be the death of that promise brother Brandon there was no hesitation in Abraham's action whatsoever when he looked at his son, there may have been before, but when it was the third day and he saw it afar off, Abraham didn't see defeat. He didn't see, he didn't see death, but Abraham saw victory in the horizon. He didn't see the knife that he held in a sheath on his belt. But he saw provision in a thicket. He saw himself overcoming. I don't know how. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what God's going to do. But all I know is that I see a third day, and the third day is the day of resurrection. The third day is the day of victory. I, I, I don't know what all is going to happen. And I don't know what's going to be transpire between now and then. But all I know is I see victory in my future. I want to, I want to speak to somebody. I, I feel it so strongly in this place that you are looking into your future. And you know, you know what, what it looks like, and you know what the doctor has said, and you know, and you know the bills that are due, and you know what's coming tomorrow when you wake up, and you know it's may not gonna be the best day that you've ever had in your life. But somebody needs to get some gumption in you and and and, and look at that situation and look at that mountain and say, I refuse to see that as the death of my promise. I refuse to see that as a place where God begins to take things from me, but I'm going to look at it and I'm going to see the victory that God has in my future because God has spoken over my life and God has spoken over my situation. He said, I want to show you the victory before you ever face the challenge. And when he sees the place afar off, he says something that I'd never noticed that he had ever said before. 
in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 5. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide here with the donkeys. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship. And then he says, And come to you again. Abraham didn't say that Isaac and I are going. We're going to worship. And then I'm going to come back to you. But Abraham said, I and the lad will go yonder to worship and come again to you. He said, stay right here, boys. Tend to the donkey. Keep everything in place. Me and Isaac are going yonder to worship. But rest assured, I'm not, I, I'm not coming back alone, but I'm coming back with my promise. God told me to take my promise up there to sacrifice, and I don't understand maybe what he has in store. But one thing I can tell you, boys, that when we're done worshiping, we're coming back together. We're going to meet again together. How do you know you're coming back? Because I saw something on the third day. He's not just taking my promise, but he's going to allow me to return to this place with my promise in tow. Abraham said, we're going yonder. It's no wonder that he said we will go to worship because he knew that they were coming back. So I'm going to go worship. And then we're coming back. And so it won't seem like a sacrifice. Even though it will be a sacrifice. I don't look at it as a sacrifice. But I look at it as worship unto God. I look at it. His worship, his point of view of a promise, then was, see, you've got to understand something about this. You've got to understand what Isaac went through just to get Isaac. The Bible says that his body was dead. God gave me a promise even though my body was dead. What does that mean? That means that God brought revival in order to bring about a promise. God had to first bring revival to Abraham before he could ever give Abraham a promise. And Abraham said that if you think for one minute that God's going to take something away from me after what I've been through, he said, I've got news for you. I'm not going to allow it. He's not going to take it from me, but we're coming back. How do you know you're coming back? Because you don't know the hell that I've been through to get this promise here. You don't know the junk that I went through just to get the promise here. I'm not giving up, but we're coming back. Back. I saw it on the third day, and we're coming back. I've been through too much. Don't tell me that God's not going to supply. I've been through too much. I've, got, I, I've, gone, I've gone through too much. I've climbed too many mountains. I've fought too many battles. Don't tell me. That it's not going to happen because I've been through 
too much. I want to tell you in this place in closing this morning that a promise always connects to another promise. A promise is like like a puzzle. You, You don't understand all the pieces by themselves. You don't get the picture with one piece, but only after the puzzle comes together. And you're just one part of the puzzle this morning. Love your promise. Be grateful for your promise, but understand this. Your promise connects to another promise. Sister Jordan, your promise connects to Sister Shana's promise. Jamie, your promise connects to Chelsea's promise. Dad, Mom, your promises connect to Brother Gary and Sister Nancy's promise. You understand what I'm telling you today? That one promise connects to another promise. And before long, all these pieces, all these insignificant pieces come together in a culmination. Do you really think that God was going to allow Isaac to be offered as a sacrifice? Do you think for one minute that God was going to allow that to happen? Do you think for one minute that God was going to ever allow Abraham to bring that knife down and slay Isaac? It couldn't happen. It couldn't happen. Why why couldn't it happen? Because we have in the Bible Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's no Jacob without an Isaac. So the point of view, the perspective that Abraham, God, God, I don't know how he's connected, but some way this promise is connected to something greater. You better believe it's connected to another promise because there is no Israel without it. You understand that there is no Israel without Isaac. There are no tribes of Israel without Isaac. You, 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 you've got an, you got to have an Abraham and you've got to have an Isaac and you've got to have a Jacob. You know what that means this morning? That means that all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord and those that are called according to his purpose. Stand with me right now. That means that if you're serving God and he puts a promise in you, that that promise, that all things are working together for the good of them that love the Lord. Abraham, I know you love Isaac. Abraham, I know you love me. There's going to be an Abraham. There's going to be an Isaac. And there's going to be a Jacob because the flow of God's will, Isaac has got to be there. Sandwiched in the middle of greatness. Sandwiched in the middle of Abraham and Jacob 
you're going to find Isaac. And you can't have Israel without Isaac. You will never see the tribe of Judah. You'll never see the tribe of Levi. You will never see them without an Isaac. Because it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You you see how one promise connects to another promise and it connects to another promise and to another promise and to another. Right now, I want to tell somebody in this house, it may seem insignificant at this moment. It may seem, it seem, may seem so small and minuscule on, on, this, on this very Sunday morning, but what you don't understand and what you can't see in the future is that the future of that promise is connected to this promise that you hold here today. I need you to do something for me because what of, of what it's going to represent, Abraham, there are things you don't really have, have to complete, but I, I, I need to know that you're willing to do it because of what it represents, because of its connection. And also, Abraham, you can't be the father of faith and not ever Climb a mountain. I, I want to speak to somebody. It's the last thing I'll say today. Is in this place, and you are you feel like you are facing the death of your promise. You feel like you feel like you've gone as far as you can go. You feel like you've prayed as much as you. You feel like you've shed every tear that you are able to shed and you feel like it's done nothing for you. You feel like it's dead. You feel like it's you've already buried it. In your mind, you've already put death to it. You've already buried it, and you've already moved on to the next thing. But God is sitting me here this morning to tell you that it is not going to die, but he simply wants to know what you are willing to do for it. He's wanting to know where you climb a mountain. He's wanting to know where you go ahead and cut the wood, and would you gather everything that is going to be uh, that that's going to make up the altar that that promise is going to be sacrificed on all the while knowing that he's never going to allow you to get there he just wants to know how willing you are to fight for your promise today if God spoken to you if God has ever given you a word you ought to come down to this altar right now and just show God God I've been carrying it along. I've been I've been fighting for it long enough, and it seems like it's never going to happen. But God, one more time, I'm going to climb the mountain. One more time, God, I'm going to trust you and believe that there is victory in my future.
tell somebody, don't make funeral arrangements just yet. Don't pick out a casket just yet. Don't make burial preparations just yet. God's going to step in and God's going to intervene in your problem. 